Well, thank you. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all. And to those of you who are watching at home, feel the love. Feel the love through the screen. It is real. Thank you so much. It's just, this is our first service back for Daniel and I, because um, we're still waiting for a venue in the mountains. So it's, oh, I was getting teary in the worship, just the presence of God together. Oh, just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a unique experience. And I wonder if before lockdown, maybe we took it a little for granted before this season, but we won't. We don't and we won't. It's very special. Now, we haven't seen each other for a while, so I want to tell you three things before I preach. Firstly, in the week that lockdown started, we got a new grandbaby. So, I know. So, uh, Sonny Brave was born the week of lockdown. So, he's now four and a half months old. Oh, my goodness. So cute. <laughs> so, out the front of my front door, now I have a little tyke's car, two plastic bikes, a sandpit, and a pirate ship, and there's no room in the garage for the car because I bought play equipment. So grandma is on it. <laughs> I love it. We have three grandchildren now, and I just love the privilege of having generations to, to strengthen. I don't take that lightly, Daniel and I. We just love it. And seeing my husband as a grandfather, I just fall in love with him all over again. I really do. So I just saw Ella go, Dad. <laughs> ah, second thing, because I know some of you will ask me, you've been following our journey. The musical that Daniel has co-written, okay, lockdown has been a bit of a hindrance to that. It's a Christmas musical and we were due to have the first staged reading at the Rosalind Packer on the 17th of July. So clearly that did not go ahead. So it's cast, it's ready, it's waiting. You can Google it, The Angel Star, if you want to have a look. Uh, we rescheduled the theatre for October and we were all still locked up then. At the moment, the prayers are that God will make room for that to move forward. And the third thing is, I wrote a book in the last 12 months and that's just about to go for editing. And I mean like the editing that you pay for. So, <laughs> so that's frantic. It's on the book of Esther, the story of Esther. So I've retold it. And all the characters in that story demonstrate some life wisdom, even if they're what we could consider bad characters. They're doing incredible things that show wisdom. So the intents and purposes of their wisdom are questionable, but their processes, they relate so much to where we are now if we want successful life, love and leadership. So that's where I've gone. It's not a Christian book. It's a book of wisdom that you could buy for your friends. So it's not a sales pitch. It's not anywhere ready or anything. I'm just, that's what we've been doing. We've been very creative <laughs> with this time. So, okay. The, the title for the message this morning is called Unity, I Disagree. And I think it's more fun that way. <laughs> um, you know, we've had this theme of the last little while, this new kingdom, this new church, this new me. And uh, we've had some incredible teaching. Like the smorgasbord that we have here is really amazing. and I'm so thankful for it. And so when I said to God, okay, I've got to bring the word. What do you want me to say? He said, I want you to speak on unity. And I said, we've heard enough about that. <laughs> Frankly, I'm done with that subject. <laughs> it's in our faces. And this is what I say to God. And we're back and forth. I don't think people have room to care about that right now. Is that fair? Like, I'm just keeping it real. You know I will. 
There's enough cares without caring about unity, so why are we talking about it? And I think um, the, the first picture that, they, that was on screen, and I'm just saying in faith that it went up, I'm sure Brent did it, was people with their hands in the air. And I think that's the common way we might perceive unity in the church, is all of us gathered together in worship. But with what all of us have been through, especially in the last few months, um, Brent, could you put that picture up, the ocean picture? I think this picture, when I saw it, I think all of us have had a moment where I think we've felt a bit more like that than the first picture. Am I right? There's some moment or many moments of the last 12 months, 18 months, where we've just felt like I'm drowning. So I said to God, if we're feeling this way, why should we even care about unity? Why should we? There's enough going on. So God, as long as we're not tearing each other apart, surely we're okay. Is that okay? No, <laughs> that's not okay. There is so much disunity everywhere. We don't have to look far, even in the church, just to see this plague of disunity on the earth at the moment. We could look at countries just across the ocean. There's so much happening there. In our own nation in the past four or five months, so much has happened. And we hear people say, how did we get here? What, what, what are governments doing? What's happening? How do we land here so quickly? We don't have to look far. And this is when we need to raise our voice and speak out in unity. The Holy Spirit said to me, church, we have an opportunity right now against this backdrop of extreme disunity to be the contrast and that's what light looks like that's what the light on a hill looks like it exists against a contrast of darkness so this is where we're headed buckle up the roller coaster is heading for the first incline see if you can keep up <laughs> okay we first should understand what unity is because to me I'm like unity sounds kind of boring so let's make it interesting Joined as a whole, working together around shared values and purpose. For us, unity is really a New Testament um, focus. We have Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead, ascending to heaven. And then there's the upper room experience. The Holy Spirit comes and the early church is birthed. And from this point, and looking through the, the books that Paul writes, he talks so much about coming together and shared values against a backdrop of conflict. I kind of feel sorry for the Apostle Paul. He's always talking into some conflict, some group that's not getting along, some group that's arguing, some group that's right, and thinks that they're more right than the other group. Does any of that sound familiar to you in terms of where we are in the world right now? And this is what I love about the word. It's so now. That something that could be written so long ago in a context that is completely foreign in so many ways to how we live now could be so real and so relevant. That's the living and active word. Dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It tests the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. Dividing soul and spirit. It will show us in our lives what is not of the spirit in revealing truth. So unity is a spirit-led endeavour. And the focus of it arrives in scripture um, significantly after the Holy Spirit comes. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, 1 to 6, talks about being unified by the Spirit. So authentic unity 
is a spirit-led endeavor. In Acts 2.44, we get this glimpse. So the Holy Spirit comes. Peter gets up and delivers his incredible message, you know, and the Lord added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. 3,000 people get saved. It's amazing. And we get this little glimpse of what a unified church looks like. Let me read it to you. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. I'm not suggesting you go and sell your house and give the money away. Let's just be right up front on that one. <laughs> Different context here. What I notice in this scripture is the absence of selfishness. There's just no selfishness in this passage. Everyone is thinking and deferring to the needs of the people around them. And it's much more than saying we're in unity, we're in unity. There's a lifestyle, there's a heart, there's a way of relating to each other that we're glimpsing in this passage. So John Piper, the renowned uh, theologian and pastor, he says unity is really a neutral thing. You've got to apply intention to it. So in the intention and in the outcome of unity, we get to see what kind of unity is, it is. So we know in history there have been great evils on the earth where people have united around an evil cause and the outcome of that have been, you know, deaths and suffering. But we can also see in, in, our, in the unity of the church, the result of this, the fruit of this, is that God is glorified. That's what we're headed for, that people would see Jesus in us, that we would be the light, the contrast, the light in darkness. That's what our unity is supposed to produce. It's not to draw attention to us. Our, any attention to us gets reflected onto God, like that he would be glorified. But one of, there are two uniquenesses to our unity. One is, and this is what Paul says to us, is that he requires attention that be given to the affections of our heart. So it's not enough to say, I'm in unity. I'm in unity with my connect group. I'm in unity with my church. I'm in unity with my family. There's an inner world change that has to keep happening for us to stay in unity. The stance of our heart toward other people has to be one of affection. How many of you know that I just said something that is really difficult to live out? You know, I was getting ready for this message and this often happens when I'm preparing to preach, that the Holy Spirit will say to me, well, you need to live this out this week. So let's do an audit of your inner world. Okay, so there I am. Up at, I got up at five in the morning because I just felt convicted. Let's, Chris, let's talk about the people that you're angry at this week. <laughs> let's talk about your frustrations this week. Let's talk about the affections of your hearts. I got up early, I took communion, and I'm just like, oh, God, how does it accumulate so quickly? And yet it does. It's, it, we're immersed in this, <laughs> this crazy world right now, and it's so easy for our hearts to become cluttered. But we are required, if we're going to stay in unity, to do these heart checks. And if our affections toward others, if you can think of someone and you, you're like, whatever, who cares? Time for a heart check. Time for a heart check. So 
just know that God did it with me this week, okay? <laughs> I'm trying to model what I'm pre- practicing, what I preach here. All right. So Paul says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply. He's not talking about making a meal and dropping it over, even though that's a good thing to do. He's talking about an inner change. So real unity, we can talk about it and we can show it, but it's actually dependent on the affections of our heart and how we manage those. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. And I think that's something I've really noticed in absence of in the narrative that surrounds us. And I guess I'm certainly in my own life going, is the way I'm relating, is it compassionate? Is it humble? Because especially now, it's not hard for us all to access information, but to stay compassionate and humble in heart, that really takes intention. That really takes humility before God. So the other thing that sets our unity apart is not just our affections, it's our aims. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So that people would see us, watch us together, watch how the genuine affection of our hearts are demonstrated toward each other and to the people in our world, that they would see Jesus in this. Okay, unity, what isn't it? Okay, brace yourselves. (laughs) Have you ever watched the TV after we have a change in leader in our state, in our nation, And the leader gets up with whatever cronies behind them and goes, we are a party that is more united than ever before. And you're sitting there and you're thinking, 24 hours ago, you beheaded the previous leader, you know, politically, violently, (laughs) and you're standing up in front of us and trying to tell us that you are more united than ever. Not wrong. I'm calling it. So we know, don't we? We know when... Someone says we're unified and it's not that. And this is where I go back to the heart. There is a heart condition here, not just a policy agreement. We're not just agreeing that we're all Christians. All right, we've got to go beyond that. Heart affection and intention, intentional affection toward each other. So unity, what isn't it? Unity is not the same as agreement. Now, take this home with you. We do not have to agree on most and many things. You don't have to agree with me. I don't have to agree with you. Isn't that freeing? And I'm gonna say the V word, okay? Whatever, and I'm not gonna comment on if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, it's up to you, right? The way that we engage with that is not, sorry, is what is important, not whether we agree on it. So the way that we engage with each other around this topic is where we have an opportunity to show unity. And it doesn't mean we have to agree. Our kind of unity presents itself most beautifully against a backdrop where there's plenty of disagreement. So I think 
you know, we've, we, what we've, the narrative that we've heard around this is, which side of the aisle are you on? Are you pro-vax? Are you against vax, anti-vax? It's so much more complicated than that. Let's not simplify. Someone said to me, how can God be telling people different things about whether or not they should get vaccinated? My situation is not the same as yours. My life is not the same as yours. My circumstances, my passion, my calling. There are people in all of this who are called to stand up and to speak and to be more vocal than the rest of us and to lead in truth. There are many people who are called to keep quiet, to sit back, to watch, to observe. We don't have to agree. So put aside your thinking that we need to agree on this. We don't. We still need to be unified. God is not asking us to agree with each other. He's not asking us to stop engaging in robust discussion. The scripture says, iron sharpens iron. We're meant to engage in robust discussion. This is good, but we're not meant to kill each other with our words and our heart in the process. The way we engage is what is important. God's not asking you to stop thinking critically or to stop reflecting. He's not asking you to stop questioning governments and authorities. Do all those things. Watch the affections of your heart. Because your affections are a really good, is it barometer or thermometer? One of the ometers on what's happening <laughs> in your inner world. God made us to think and he made us to work out truth in relationship. He did not make us to work out truth and destroy relationships. So this process of working out truth needs to be relationship building. That's what sets us apart. So many times in the last four months, I've been in conversations and vaccination will come up and it's like, vaccination, <gasps> like, let's not, I don't, we don't, it's, it's awkward. You can feel the tension in the air. I want to talk about it. I want to know what people think. I want to know why they think that way. I want my thinking challenged. Maybe I haven't thought of something. It doesn't stop me from doing what I believe God's called me to do in that space, but I want to hear. I want to listen. I want to know and I want to understand because people and connecting people with Jesus is more important than our opinion on whether or not we need to be vaccinated. Hallelujah. Okay. Unity is not agreeing to disagree. <laughs> what? Now, I can hear all those of you who do the boundaries thing, and so do I. We need to put a boundary. We just need to agree to disagree. Yes, we do. It's a very good boundary. If you know that your relationship's going to implode, sometimes it's good to just put a boundary, to not discuss. The problem with agreeing to disagree is what happens in your inner world afterwards. When you're secretly annoyed with that person and you've broken the relationship in your heart and it just sits there fermenting and not the good kind. It doesn't become wine. I don't know, but it goes mouldy, does something. <laughs> But you know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Those of you at home, I hope you're really enjoying this and having a really good morning. Okay. <laughs> Unity is agreeing to disagree. It's not some passive aggressive thing. We do need to agree to disagree, but then we go away and we check our inner world and we check our heart stance toward that person and we are responsible for that. We've got to do more than just be in the same room and not kill each other and tolerate each other. Right? Yeah. And we all know that because there's, there's people in all of our worlds that that is playing out. Okay. Unity is not peacekeeping at the expense of truth. 
And I think one of the challenges like, th that we have is we, we're wired to speak truth. Truth is in us. But we need to be careful with the truth that we have. So many times in the last you know, year and a half, I have been in conversations and I've felt like I've been word vomited on with someone else's truth. And I've just walked away feeling like I need to wash this conversation off. And then I go, I hope I don't do this to anyone else. I need to be really conscious of that in my own life. What does the Bible say? Zechariah 8.16. And now here's what I want you to do. Tell the truth. The whole truth, when you speak, do the right thing by one another, both personally and in your courts. Don't cook up plans to take unfair advantage of other. Don't do or say what isn't so. I hate all that stuff. Keep your lives simple and honest. Fantastic. So God empowers us to speak the truth. Beautiful. Where can we abuse that? We can vomit our truth on anyone that comes by us, and in doing so, we lack wisdom. Right? We've all been word vomited on. We know how it feels. It's not nice. It's not encouraging. It doesn't draw you into relationship. doesn't draw you towards seeing Jesus. Ephesians 4, 15 to 16, Paul says, God wants you to grow up, to know the whole truth, to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who's the source of everything we do. Proverbs 18, 2. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Should I say it again? Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. It's so easy, I know in my life, to go, well, that person does that, and that I've seen them do it, <laughs> right? Let's look at our own lives. Let's get the plank out of our own eye before we go and look at someone else's. The Bible is telling us, hold back. Hold back on your opinions. The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Folly, in this case, would be your opinion about what someone else is doing in the space of whether or not they're vaccinated and all that that means and goes with that. Be careful. Let's not let what we bring to the space become a barrier to other people connecting with Jesus. We are responsible for something significant here. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What sort of appeal are we presenting to people at this time? Is it kind? Is it truthful? Be truthful. I'm not asking you to be robots. I'm saying we, we all we need to think about how we're telling the truth. Proverbs 10:19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. It's kind of clear, right? <laughs> God, what are you really saying? <laughs> Be sensible. Too much talk leads to sin. We all know this. Have you ever, I know you have, been in a conversation and suddenly you're like, how do we get there? I'm sure this has become gossip now, right? Rewind. <laughs> how do I get out of this? We've crossed a line somewhere. Too much talk. Too much foolish talk. Too much venting. Too much blah, too much frustration. All these things contribute to a lack of unity. For us, we are called to something higher and something greater. We're called to a greater level of discernment and restraint. And we're called to monitor the affections of our heart. It's the aims and our affections and aims that set our unity apart from what we see in politics. 
and, and the result is that Jesus is glorified by our unity. Okay, moving along. Here we go. How can I live this? How can I live this? So I've got five questions for you, and that way you can take them home and you can ponder them and you can pull them out during the week and go, heart check for me, God. How am I living in unity? First question, what did Jesus do for me here and now? I have found in my life that if I can ask myself that question, what did Jesus do for me? If at points where I'm frustrated with other people, if I can anchor myself in the truth of what Jesus did for me that I did not deserve, everything else gets a sense of healthy proportion. You know, this year it's vaccination, next year it's going to be booster shots. Two years ago it was the legislation, uh, the referendum around um, gay marriage, marriage equality, whatever we're meant to call it, I'm not sure. Um, there's always going to be something. We need to decide how strong the gospel message is here. Because we can make it as weak as a disagreement through our response. It is strong enough for every contention, every disagreement that we may have. The gospel is strong enough for that. God's ready for that. He's, he's redeemed and transformed. The way he gets into relationships is astounding to me. The way he can bring healing and transformation in places I could not anticipate. After all these years of knowing God, it's astounding. It's wondrous to see what God does working to bring healing, transformation, restoration, unity. He's all about that life. So 2 Corinthians 5.25, he died for all, that all who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. This is where our life flows from. So when you go home this week, what did Jesus do for me here and now, today? Ask yourself that question and let that anchor your responses for the day. Let that give you the sense of proportion for whatever is happening around you, whatever disagreement, whatever people God sends to iron sharpen iron you, <laughs> whatever that looks like for you. You're probably all more patient than me. I'm not a naturally patient person. I very quickly can get frustrated. I just have learned to hide it. And that's why our inner world checks are so important. Okay. Second question, how am I being led by the Spirit here and now? John 16, 13, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in all truth. And I think when we're in the heat of a disagreement on truth and we feel strongly and we feel passionately, one of the easiest things to forget is to just simply say, Holy Spirit, I'm going to make room for you right here and right now in this conversation. We know from scripture that unity is a spirit-led endeavor. And as I said before, it's not agreement. I think it's, it's a falsehood that we think that the outcome of a conversation has to be that we, dis, that we agree. It just doesn't, it's, that is just not true. But in that disagreement, our hearts can still be united. We need the power of the spirit to be able to do that. It's too big for us. We need the Spirit working in our lives to be able to live this. Okay, third question. Who do I need to soften my heart toward here and now? Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. Right? We're all forgiven. God's saying to us, you be kind. You be the first one. You have the soft heart. As far as it goes with you and your inner world, what do you need to do to keep your heart tender? And I think, you know, for me, when that happens, I find I need to just release forgiveness. Just let God go in, put my heart under the microscope and show me what I need to give over. Could I have the band um, come up, please? Question number four. Why am I speaking up here and now? Okay. So you find yourself in a conversation or online or whatever, and it's going crazy. And everything within you goes, all those people are wrong. And I, because of my research or whatever, (laughs) I know more than they do. And I need to uh, let the uninformed know the actual truth. Have we or have we not all seen these people? I'm just calling it, okay? (laughs) We've all seen these people. We've met these people. Please don't be one of these people. Your truth that you have about whatever you think someone else should be doing is not uh, better or you have to say it and they have to be quiet, okay? Unless it's about the truth of Jesus, that one we've got to agree on, okay? That's where we unify. But what someone chooses to do, now it's going to be boosters. If they boost or don't boost, doesn't matter to you. Stay in your own lane. Pray for yourself and your family. God will show you. So why am I speaking up here and now? Before you reply, ask yourself this. Am I drawing people to God in the way I engage? Or do I just need to be right? You know, in Genesis, when Adam and Eve sin, God calls them before him. And he says, Adam, Eve, what's going on? And Adam says, it wasn't me, it was Eve. Eve says, it was the serpent. This is ego. We see the presence of ego early in Scripture. And we all have this. We all have giant egos. So we need to know this truth about ourselves so that we can humble ourselves before God. We like to be right, we like to know more than other people, and we like to say what we think. It's our ego. And if we're speaking from ego, we need to shut up. Why am I speaking up here and now in this conversation? Ask yourself, it's a a humbling question. And I find if I take the time to ask myself that question, I usually end up not saying anything because it's not motivated from a place that brings unity and really um, shows affection to others. It's leading from a place that says, I know more than you. I've done more research. I've read things. I know the secret research. All right? We all have a friend who knows the secret research. They're not right. This is where we are. It's crazy. Be the light that contrasts against that very dark backdrop that we've all seen that we've all experienced. Be the light, be the one that unifies. Okay, question number five. How can I show kindness here and now? It's very hard for your heart to get cluttered up and filled with the debris of life. When the question we're asking is, how do I be kind? How do I engage in a way that will draw other people toward Jesus? It's a beautiful question. So there you go, five questions. As far as we're concerned, to walk in unity, we need to be the people 
that draw others in and not the people that bring barriers, create barriers through our truth, through being obnoxious, through being jerks, through being insensitive, through being ego-driven. These are not luxuries that we have as a church if we really want to model godly unity. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? I really feel this morning, I'm going to finish in prayer, but I'm going to pray for people that are unwell. And especially if you're at home this morning, you just, just take a moment and just... God wants to heal. His heart is to heal. And sometimes when we ask and we ask and we ask and we don't get what we ask for, disappointment can just be the predominant emotional response that we have. And that is very human. But may I encourage you, find that mustard seed of faith that I know is in there. And just lean into that. And as we pray, mustard seed faith, let it become something giant and amazing. And look to God as we pray to be your healing. And not just when I say healing, we tend to think physical. I know there are so many mental health challenges at the moment. There are people who are suffering. And, you know, just know that, that we are praying for you. Our heart is for you. And, you know, in my heart, I wish I could just help every single person. I can't, but God can. And He knows you. He sees where you are. He knows right in your, in your lounge room, in the car if you're driving. He sees you. He sees your family. He sees the challenges with your kids. He sees how you're feeling stretched and strained. He sees the hand above the water and he'll hold it because he's kind. So reach out for him. Let's pray and let's just agree together. Heavenly Father, you are a healing God. You are a God who is present in our suffering. Lord, you lean into that. You lean into that to bring us peace, to bring us healing. And God, you told us that you are the healing God. So Lord, we remind you that you are the healing God. We declare that you are the healing God and we receive your healing into our bodies, Lord, into our circumstances, into our hearts and minds. And Lord, as I've been praying and you've been bringing to people's, um, into their hearts and minds, people they need to forgive, I pray that you would help people to release forgiveness and release healing and that they would be able to be filled with the peace of God that goes beyond understanding because that's how you want us to live and experience you. So God, would you do that? Would you do that for us? Thank you, Jesus. We just love you and honour you. We so appreciate you. Thank you that your heart for us is to be unified. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to say au revoir to our folks who are watching on stream. Be blessed. Have a great week. We love you. And uh, right now, I'm just going to ask Daniel and the team to lead us in a song. And, and as we do this, just let God speak to your heart. He knows what you need to hear, what you need to know. Let him minister to you.